Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. I am your host, Brian Convery, and my guest today is Madeline Pollock. Madeline has strong interest in finance and project management and is in her final year at the University of Waterloo studying math, financial analysts, and risk management. This term, Madeline is a project coordinator co-op at RBC Capital Markets in the Strategy and Transformation Group. Prior to her role at RBC, she has had other co-op positions as a business analyst and developer. During her time at RBC, Madeline has also been involved in the student partner program. Through this experience, she's created content for the student newsletter, hosted student socials, and produced the fall student end of term video. Madeline loves to get involved at the bank and create meaningful experiences for her peers. In her free time, Madeline loves watching movies and going for nature walks. Couple fun facts about Madeline is that she has a black belt in Gujaru Karate, which I hope are pronounced correctly, and she can juggle. Madeline, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian, for that great welcome. Thank you now, for having me. Did I get that right when I pronounced it again, the karate? Uh, close, Gujaru. Gojiru. Okay. All right. That's it. I want to learn more about that. So we'll have to get into it as well. Um, so as we always start the podcast, we'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, some fun rapid fire questions just for the audience to get to know a little bit more about you um, and share some insights into who you are. So first question is, what is your favorite most used emoji? So my most used one is the just regular smile, but the one that has the blush. I like that because it gives something extra and it's kind of just, you know, basic, okay, smile, let's move up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, this one too, if you could ever, uh, just could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what, what might that be? Um, for me, I think it'd be sushi. Uh, it's one of my favorite foods and I feel like if you can only eat one food, you got to be able to get some variety in there. So you can really put different things in the different types of sushi. Um, so that would be my go-to. Yeah, sushi's come up a couple times, and every time we talk about it, I get hungry for it because <laughs> I haven't really had it in a long time, and I don't know. <sighs> Anyways, maybe we'll go for sushi when when things things come down a bit. Um, what's one of your favorite ways to spend a day off? So definitely going to theme parks. It's one of my favorite activities. I think now as I'm getting older, I may have more trouble handling the, the rides, but hopefully when COVID is over and we can go back to, you know, the other Canada's Wonderland, or hopefully I can travel back to Disney and Universal. Um, that's always my favorite vacation spot. And I love um, just like going on the rides, being in this fun environment, everyone's happy. Uh, nice. I love that. That's the first First one I've heard. Do you like roller coasters and things? Or yes, I love them, and it's kind of weird because I'm usually a scaredy cat for a lot of things, and yeah. I'd be the last person I think anyone would expect to be a big fan of roller coasters. But I really do love them, and hopefully, as I get older, I'll still be able to go on them without getting too nauseous, um, because they definitely are the most fun and kind of thrill that I find. Yeah, a thrill seeker there, and. And uh, yeah, exciting. I love that. Um, how about uh, do you hit the snooze button or wake up immediately? Oh, definitely the snooze button. And I've had to get to the point where I set my alarm earlier, knowing that I'll need that time where I wake up and be, can I be able to hit snooze for a few minutes. Um, so I've always been a snooze person. And, you know, sometimes it's annoyed some uh, roommates, but 
um, or my cat, but you yeah, know, that's, I guess who I am. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I know I try more and more to like wake up immediately. Even if I do wake up, I tend to be like, oh, do I have 10 more minutes or three more minutes? And yeah, it's always nice to get that last few minutes of uh, some shut eye. Um, what is your favorite word? Gander. And I, and I had a trouble, I guess, thinking of um, picking like one, because I have, you know, it's how do you pick one word that's your favorite when we use them all daily. Um, but I'm a big fan of the movie like, Sweeney Todd. And I'm an even bigger Alan Rickman fan, and he has this great line in the movie, and it, he brings a lot of character to it. And, and uh, he's talking to the the younger actor and saying, like, "Oh, you gandered," and it, it, he just it just brings so much. So I really have adopted that word now and um, quote that phrase quite a lot. So it's definitely one of my favorites. I like it. I like it. That's unique. It's different. Mm -hmm. I know it's tough to pick one, but there's certain words whether it sounds interesting or it means something to you. I always love that question and it always gets so many different responses. So thanks for sharing in those rapid fire questions. You know, as we start to transition the conversation now to, you know, as we were talking earlier, this podcast is really for students from students and also for students who are behind um, you and their journey. Maybe, maybe they're in high school and they're going to first year at university or college this fall or Maybe they've made that high school to post-secondary and they're trying to get, you know, their first job and make that work transition. And, and you've had some of these experiences. So I was hoping you could talk, um, you know, a little bit more about yourself, um, about sort of your overall transitions and, and a few of the things you've learned along the way. Uh, yes, definitely. And I think I've had kind of a unique experience and I guess multiple transitions going from high school to university and initially starting at McGill and then transferring to Waterloo and then from Waterloo trying to get, you know, co-ops and break into, you know, the workforce. And um, I think coming definitely, you know, from high school, trying to know what you want to do is tough and knowing what university program to choose based on that as well, keeping in mind, okay, what do I really enjoy as a subject, but then also what am I going to do career-wise? And and then once you you know get to university and experience it, it's definitely a different ball game than high school. And I was definitely always um, one of those people that really had to you know get a hundred percent or really cared about grades in high school and in university, especially going to McGill and Waterloo, where there's very competitive environments and a lot of other students who were just the same as you in high school. It's I guess um, a big reality shock to kind yeah. of learn that you know you're not i guess as special and that you know school's going to be tough and you're really going to have to work a lot harder um to be able to do not even just like really well but even to just do decently um or to pass sometimes even and that's okay and um if you know for me something that really helped a lot in my courses um and also just going through the university process was going to office hours and really um, building those connections and relationships with your professors. Uh, you know, it, it it seems intimidating, especially in first year when you're in courses that have maybe 600 even students in a lecture hall and you're used to high school classes that are maybe 20 to 30 kids where the teacher knew everyone. But in most cases, there's no reason why your professor can't know you on a first name basis and you know, ask how your weekend was, you just kind of have to be the one to seek out that 
and go to office hours and really and I think a lot of people don't take advantage of those opportunities and resources. So really you'll find that you have the opportunity to ask lots of questions in office hours and I think you know you may spend hours on one small problem and um, you know really struggle to get it right but going to ask your prof may solve it really quickly and help lead you in the right direction. So from an academic standpoint, I think that's a big help that um, guided me through my transition. And I've had a few profs along the way that um, really stood out to me and that I still um, keep in touch with. And kind of building off to that point of fostering those relationships, that's a great skill to build on and start with early on in your first years with your professors, because that's kind of a skill that you'll really need to take with you when it comes to going into the workforce and um, networking with professionals in the industries that you're looking at and really learning how to communicate professionally um, on those levels. And that really helps with that transition as well. And, you know, transitioning into the workforce as well can be really challenging and coming from Waterloo. Um, I think they definitely have a really great program and a lot of opportunities to network, especially when we're on campus and that really helps foster that transition. But still, it's tough. And if you don't have those resources, it's even harder. And, you know, I guess kind of similar to taking advantage of office hours and those resources available is really taking advantage of all the resources available to you. And um, when there's info sessions on campus, for example, or, um, you know, job postings that the school is putting up or, you know, hackathons, you know, case competitions, et cetera, really going for those opportunities, um, using them as networking opportunities, not just to engage with people in, in the industry, but also your peers, maybe older students that have been through the process and can provide, you know, more guidance and advice. And so I guess the takeaway that I have to, of what supported me the most through transitioning through high school and um, to university to the workforce is really building those relationships and taking um, advantages, taking advantage and making it the most of all the resources that um, are available to you. Yeah, some really, really awesome advice. And um, that's why I always enjoy talking with you. I think you have such great insights and advice for others and some of the things you've experienced. And I wanted to ask you the, the first of all, the office hours, like what, a, what an unbelievable um, opportunity to to get noticed, to to get those relationships building, and to you know make that difference for yourself, and um, I think that's some really great advice there to to think about pushing yourself a little bit out of that comfort zone and and getting to know your profs. And um, and the other thing also I wanted to ask you was um, when you talked about going to school and picking the schools and picking the programs, was there something that like how did you go about deciding? You know, I guess first where to go to school and then maybe um, what programs to consider. Because I, I talked to a lot of high school students, so we're starting to get a lot more high school followers with this podcast. And, you know, that that even that transition is so sometimes daunting. And, you know, where do I go and what school should I go to and what how do I evaluate that? And is there anything there that you could share? I, I don't know if there was a, you know, a plan or you you kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, threw it to the wind, or you you you, you made some release, you know, re reasons why you selected what you did. Um, just curious. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And it's one of the the toughest, I think, decisions and challenges 
I think that's out there. You know, it's a lot harder than, you know, deciding what job you want to do first out of school because, you know, when it comes to your career, I've started to realize that it's a long journey, but where you're going to go for your undergrad and your first transition kind of into adult life and as well, um, that first kind of decision of what area do I need, want my career and learnings to be in is hard, especially when you're 17, 18, 16, maybe even, and don't really know um, what you want to do. And for me, um, even I kind of always had in my head that, oh, I wanted to be, I mean, I had different, I guess, jobs that throughout my life that I, you know, at one point I wanted to be a, an accountant, then a lawyer, and then a doctor. And then a doctor was what kind of really stayed through my high school years. And I was in all the sciences, et cetera. And even in grade 12, I was applying to more, you know, life science programs. Cause I thought, okay, you know, I want a good job that pays well, that I is in a subject that I enjoy and I really like sciences. Um, but, it, but for me, I really preferred and was passionate more on about the math side and really enjoyed math. And it wasn't really until I went to was in grade 12 and went to, you know, the university fair, um, the Ontario University Fair, where, you know, I could listen into like the Waterloo info session, for example, and hear about some of their programs where they say, okay, and then these are the jobs that our students do afterwards, that I realized how many opportunities really were out there for math. And so that made me kind of decide, okay, no, you know what? I'm really passionate about math. This is what I'm interested in. So I'm going to go study math. And I know that there'll be other opportunities in the workforce when I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, even though maybe it wasn't as secure of a journey as, you know, the doctorate, because there's so many different possibilities in the math world. And I think that's a big, I guess, takeaway that I'd give to a lot of students is to kind of focus on what you're interested in whether that be, you know, math, um, you know, drama, computer science, um, geography, whatever it may be. And then, you know, investigate, okay, if I were to major in this, what, you know, job opportunities could I have after? Because, you know, you may be surprised and you shouldn't let, I think, you know, a professional vision or goal hinder you from studying and learning what you really want to learn. And, you know, on top of that, it's okay, now I know what I want to study, where do I want to go? And, you know, it comes down to sometimes what school has the best program for this, but, you know, is this where I really see myself, where I really fit in? Um, do they have other programs or my like-minded people that and values that associate with me? And for mm -hmm. me, I really felt like McGill was kind of that choice. And even though Waterloo had, you know, the better program when it came to the math and the co-op, et cetera, and so I made that leap and then, you know, I realized that I actually had maybe misconceived notions of Waterloo and, you know, coming to Waterloo, I really, I realized that this is actually where I belong, not just because the program is the best fit, um, but also because this is where I think I really fit in and where my values really align. And that's something that maybe a lot of, I think a lot of high school students uh, myself included, have preconceived notions of universities before, whether yeah. that be from people stereotyping them um, or certain programs kind of being the focus of those schools, whatever it may be. But there's so much more to the institutions than that. And I think if some somewhere has a really great program that's for you, then it's really worth investigating. 
does yeah. this fit for me and is this where my values align versus jumping at the first school that you fall in love with, so to speak, and saying that's where I belong. Yeah, that is so great. You know, and and you're right about, you know, don't lose the insights and the passion and the and the the things that you love most. And and then the idea of how you navigated that experience. It's it's all a journey and the fact that you've learned, you know, found out more about the school. So Thank you so much, because I always was curious, you know, on that question, we haven't really gone that deep before, but I think it's helpful for others to hear, like, you know, explore the schools, don't just explore the programs and explore what, how it fits with you and what you think you might be seeking and perhaps even talk to students at those schools, that'd be another good piece of advice. Um, so on that notion of schools, um, you know, you've You've navigated a lot of this um, to date. And, um, you know, I asked this question just because sometimes I think there's opportunities to think about the fact that we learn things not just in school, but we learn them as part of our, our life experiences um, and our work experiences. But is there something that you kind of reflect on now that you wish was maybe discussed or taught in school that isn't? Yeah, so definitely. And I think kind of leaning back to my earlier point of all the the jobs that can go with you know one studying one subject or degree i think that's really not you know focused on in school they kind of you know give you these different professions and it's you know like doctor lawyer accountant yeah. um you know teacher you know so and so but really coming into the workforce i realized how many jobs exist that i've never even heard of especially even within the bank there's so many different types of roles and for example, even a business analyst can be so many different things. It's really an umbrella, an umbrella title and depending on where you are in the bank or any organization, there's so many different tasks at hand that even a business analyst would do. Plus, you know, then there's, you know, financial analyst, business systems analyst, developer, you know, accounting, project manager, product owner, um, you know, all these different roles that exist. And I think a lot of people don't know what they are, would have never have heard of them until they actually started working and did co-op, et cetera. And even, you know, for me, kind of thinking back on my own experience for so long, not thinking I could go to school for math because what what jobs exist there, but really there's a lot. And even um, I'm starting to realize a lot now that, you know, sometimes I'm a bit hesitant or I pursued certain roles thinking, well, these are very math heavy involved. These are very finance involved. And I want to be able to use my degree. You know, I spent all this time studying math. I want to be able to not have it go to waste. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of jobs that, you know, just require a degree or require a degree in STEM. So regardless of what you studied, even if you're not doing all of that in your day-to-day -day job, your degree is not going to waste because you needed that degree to get into that role. So for example, I know in the banks now as well, there's a lot of looking for STEM students who have that, you know, that critical thinking and that logic. So if you're really interested in chemistry, for example, and you love chemistry and you want to study chemistry, like do that. You don't have to, you know, work in a lab for the rest of your life or be a doctor. There's so many other roles that require that critical thinking, even especially within the bank, that if you want to study chemistry because that's your passion, but you're unsure if that's what you want to maybe work in and but to also don't want to waste your degree. Well, a STEM degree can be useful in so many different varieties of areas, just like so many other 
um, types of degrees could also apply to different things. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, yeah, two things that come to mind with what you just said. Um, one was, it's not a linear path from your degree to your roles and jobs, mm -hmm. um, which I, I always want students to think about that because there's a lot of programming out there that says, well, if you go for accounting, you become an accountant. Well, well maybe, but, but maybe not, right? Maybe you take those skills and use them elsewhere, which is what you've articulated too. Um, which is important. And um, the other thing that you mentioned, which I think is really interesting, and it's, I'm actually right, like I actually took notes <laughs> on this, is um, we talk about how we show up as organizations at schools. And what you said hit, hit me really hard was, you know, all these jobs that you didn't know existed. And so as we start to think about engagement with students going forward, I think it's important to maybe think about highlighting a day in the life of or, you know, bringing that to the table, because even when I was in school, there was only those roles that were talked about, like you said, lawyer, doctor, teacher, you even say fireman, all the different sort of like distinct roles that you knew were out there. But, you know, as I got out in the workforce and I realized there was other roles that were never even discussed or didn't even know it was something that I might've been interested in by only finding through chipping over through the work experience side, Maybe there's an opportunity there to to open that up a bit more and start to talk more about roles out there and like a day in the life going forward. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And that's kind of another piece that I, I had about what they should teach you in school. And this can kind of start from high school, but really it's the universities I think that um, should focus on this. And Waterloo does a great job is how important co-op and getting that or internship experience is your education and you know one big part of it is yes getting your foot in the door building your network so that you are set up for when you graduate to already have experience but as well it's you know learning what really is out there in terms of jobs and figuring out what you want to do getting those experiences in a four or eight month rotation um, and then getting to have multiple throughout your degree can really teach you um, and show you that maybe what you thought you wanted to do isn't the reality, but this other t job that you did that you had maybe never even heard of before is what you should start off doing. Yeah, no, there's some great, great thoughts. I, yeah, I, I now have some work to do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, thinking about um, this part of the show is where I usually talk about getting a little more personal and talking about a time or an opportunity or, or a challenge that you had that um, you know, you were able to, you know, either overcome or work through or are still working through. Um, and this also helps students also realize that, you know, others are dealing with certain things or the same thing or a version of this or what have you. Do you have something that you would feel comfortable sharing with myself and the audience about, you know, an opportunity or a challenge that you've been able to, to deal with and overcome or work through? Uh, yes, definitely. So kind of following through from the earlier part of the conversation. So as I mentioned, um, you know, I initially did my first year at McGill and then I transferred to Waterloo. Um, but getting kind of into that transition, you know, it wasn't an easy process. And um, I think it was definitely a challenge. And kind of, as I said uh, before, I kind of just fell in love with McGill and thought, okay, I wanna go here. This is where I belong. And, you know, it was great for the first couple months. I was getting into university. Um, 
exploring that. And yeah, you know, the courses were more challenging than high school, um, but it started off okay. But then um, I think I started to really realize after that, this is not really where I feel, you know, I fit in and as well, you know, what am I gonna do when I graduate? Um, you know, where is this program leading? And yeah. it was kind of disheartening for me because I, when looking at going to university, I thought of it kind of two ways. Um, you know, I can go to Waterloo and do the program that's really going to be a great fit and prepare me for, you know, work, et cetera. But for some reason, I just had myself, no, I really don't belong at Waterloo. I really just don't feel like I'll fit in there um, and had this preconceived, to be honest, like not correct preconceived notions of what Waterloo would be like. And, you know, I'd really taken the time to visit McGill and have and fall in love with it and really set all my sights kind of there and you know i had to kind of make this decision do i want to go where just my gut is telling me to go or do i want to go where my brain was telling me to go and mm -hmm. so i chose mcgill and then you know it's, it's kind of disheartening to to realize that you know the place that us chose for to follow your heart your heart doesn't align with anymore um so to speak and now it's kind of you know what am i doing here um because I, now I have nothing. I don't have, I guess, the feeling that I belong here and that I really want to be here. But I'm also not really in the right program for me either. And so halfway through my first year, I decided, you know what, it's not too late. I'm only in my first year. University is a long journey and your career journey after that's going to be even longer. Um, so a year doesn't really make a big difference. I'm going to apply to Waterloo again to transfer and hopefully that'll work out. And then kind of from there, it was, you know, stressful. I had to do this application. It's going to be a lot harder to get in now uh, as a transfer student. And, but I thought, okay, no, this is what I really have want to do and have to do. I want to be able to get, you know, work experience and build relationships with other people that are interested in math and finance. And this seems like the best way to do it. Uh, so I did it and it wasn't easy. And even coming to Waterloo at the start, it, it was hard because I, I really yeah. already had that connection with McGill and even now looking back, you know, I don't really feel that anymore. I feel like I didn't never even went there. It's kind of it was so many years ago, a totally different mindset. It's, it, sometimes it doesn't feel real. Um, some of my memories feel kind of surreal now, but <laughs> it, it was hard to let go, even though, you know, I was so much happier and better off at Waterloo. You know, you get attached to things or at least me personally, I get attached easily to things and letting that go initially um, was a bit tough. And as well, you know, I was always grappling with, okay, did I make the right decision? Uh, because it was early on, I didn't have kind of the evidence to back up that I did yet. But now down the, many years down the line, I can definitely um, say that that was one of the best decisions I ever made. Cause it is, you know, one of the most significant ones, but um, you know, I really have enjoyed my time at Waterloo. And of course, yes, the the courses can be challenging. The co-op journey it is competitive and it is tough, um, but it's definitely been like the best and most rewarding experiences. And I made great friends and I learned that, you know, I really do fit in at Waterloo, but it was definitely a tough adjustment. And I think, you know, I, I didn't really focus on it at the time and tried to put it out of my mind and didn't really reflect so much on it. But I, in my first year at McGill, I think, feeling like I made that wrong decision and not knowing what to do now um, really took a toll on me, you know, both mentally mm -hmm. and physically. And um, 
going to Waterloo really, I think, set me up in the right path. And, you know, just to kind of touch on the, the co-op aspect to give a piece of advice. Yes, being in a co-op program is great and it, it pushes you to really seek out those opportunities. But if you're in um, a program where co-op isn't offered or you're not at a school where they even have co-op programs, that shouldn't hinder you for, from applying to co-op opportunities or internship opportunities. Um, you know, looking back, I could have stayed at McGill and sought those opportunities out on my own. And, you know, at the time, I didn't think that that was possible, but, um, you know, that definitely is. And yes, being in an environment like Waterloo, you're seeing all your peers get internships, so it pushes you to do that. But no matter what institution you're at, you can still go for internship opportunities and you really should. Um, don't let kind of what your peers around you are doing be the hindrance. If no one else around you is looking for internships, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. Um, so, yeah, if I that's stayed at McGill, I would have, I should have done that as well. Yeah, that is some, first of all, thanks for opening up and sharing that personal journey. And, you know, even probably talking about it brings you back to those decision points when you were making those decisions. And, you know, and also you probably were getting, you know, information from all different places, right? Telling you mm -hmm. what you should do or how you should do it, or no, maybe you should stay or maybe you shouldn't. And at the end of the day, we all own our own career, our own lives, and we have to make the decisions and go with it. And sometimes you pick something and it's maybe not the right fit, but you can change that. And you can change that quite easily by putting yourself out there. And I, I don't even like using the word taking a risk, but taking a risk to actually try something else. And, you know, I think that's the big lesson from your story too, is like, you know, it's, it's okay to change or realize something maybe isn't for you, or, you know, maybe it's time to think of something a little differently, but giving yourself that ability to actually have that um talk within yourself mm -hmm. right, to actually get there because there is a lot of external influence um on things like picking programs picking schools mm -hmm. um you know it, it continues and this is why i love this podcast to do it because i've heard these stories from students forever and i even remember when i was back in school people would be like well if you're not in business you'll never get a job and well, that's not true right so mm -hmm, like, exactly. mm -hmm. all these strange pre-programmed things that we all just got to disrupt it and do what's the right thing because anybody can be successful and to your point if you're out of school without a co-op just so what go ahead and apply for the internship get the experience and get it on your get the knowledge from that as well so thanks a lot that was a really insightful um uh, personal challenge and journey you had there so one of the things um i also wanted to ask you about is we we've and we've talked a little bit about this together is you know, as we start to like look at credentials and GPAs and all that stuff, which is great, but as the industry is starting to shift, we're more talking about your values and your skills and who you are and um, those human skills that are most important, even in the ones you use to make your transition to Waterloo. Um, you know, as you think about that, um, how have your how have your values and your skills enabled you to to pursue those dreams? So I think one of my biggest values. Um, that wasn't always the case, um, is being open-minded. And, you know, when I was in high school, I think I was the most closed-minded person, um, you would ever meet, to be honest, but, you know, really? going, to going, going to university and really seeing how the world is so different than what I had perceived in my little bubble in high school, um, and at home going to university and then going into the workforce, um, 
I've really seen how much is out there, how many different types of people are out there. And, you know, I've also just naturally, you know, myself matured and grown up and I really do try and be as open minded to different possibilities as I can. And, you know, with being open minded, there comes, I guess, different elements to that. Um, so trying to uh, really try and give people as well the benefit of the doubt or see the best in situations. You know, you never one of my high school teachers actually um, and I've always remembered this uh, when I was in grade 10, my drama teacher said, you know, you never know like what someone had going on that day, you know, if they were acting, you know, maybe not in a nice way or you perceive something um, they said not nicely, you, you know, that could be taken out of context. You never know. That may not be who they really are. It may just be you caught them this way or maybe this is just how they interact, but it's nothing personal. The point is, you really just don't know the bigger picture of someone else's life and experiences. So really try and give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, but at the same time in yourself, when you realize, you know, you've kind of done something, being able to take accountability for it, I think is also really important. Um, so how, how do these things come into play? So I guess for me, a big role that, you know, you need to be the one to take accountability, but also empathize with people is project management. And that's where I kind of see myself going now. And it was never really something I would have thought I would enjoy or considered. I've always been very introverted. Um, I'd like to sit in a desk and work. Ideally, I'd be doing something having to do with math. And then in my second co-op experience, I was thrown into a project management type role where I really got to experience that for the first time and experience interacting with so many different people. And that's where I think I really had to start building on those values First of all, of being empathetic, giving people of the benefit of the doubt uh, and taking that accountability. But as well, I started to realize that I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed fostering communication between different teams. And in my case at the time, it was, you know, our business stakeholders and our technology teams, as well as, you know, learning about what the project itself was at hand, which was um, focused on anti-money laundering, which was also something totally new to me, something I didn't know that really too much about and didn't know that I'd be interested in, but I kept an open mind and that was definitely um, one, of my, one of my most enjoyable co-op experiences. Um, keeping the open mind, I really saw the opportunity to kind of just connect with anyone um, that I could to hear their experiences, never knowing what they could share, where that could lead. And, mm -hmm. you know, for a long time, I kind of had this, I vision of where I wanted my career to go. I thought, okay, I'm studying math and finance. I'll get my foot in the door and co-op at a bank for my first co-op being capital markets. I really thought, okay, capital markets is where I want to be. And I do enjoy the capital market space. And the right now, for example, I'm doing the project management in capital markets. So it kind of really is the best of both worlds. But I had certain roles that I was really focused on achieving. And yes, they brought in the math aspects and the finance aspects. But I think I was also, you know, focused on maybe the prestige or the money and not thinking about the hard work um, or thinking about the hard work that would go in and thinking I really want to do that, but not thinking about how that would, I guess, not provide as much opportunity for work-life balance or to incorporate other passions that I had in and give that freedom, even within my role, to kind of do different things and be on different projects. Um, and so I started to realize that you know, I kind of have to be open-minded and reassess, is this where I really want my career journey to go? Or should I focus kind of in the project management space where 
there's so much opportunity to be open-minded, to work on different projects. You're never gonna be in the same, I guess, role, even if you're technically in the same role for, you know, maybe two years, if you're gonna be working on different projects, it's gonna change. You're gonna work with different teams who all have different people, who have different experiences, have been all around the bank in different industries and in different companies. Um, and project management really provides those opportunities. And keeping an open mind really led me there and has pushed me to continue to pursue it. And even after leaving that project management opportunity that I initially had in my next co-op after that, I, even though I wasn't in a project management role, I, you know, sought another project manager that was on my floor. Um, I got him to get me involved in some of his projects. Um, he gave me a bit of, um, you know, coaching in the project management space. That was really helpful and that you know, guided me into the role I'm in today. And I've really enjoyed these experiences, the opportunities to work with different teams and people and to learn, you know, from all of their experiences, but also learn kind of from the underbelly of what the project I'm working on is. And, you know, through, through my different experiences in project management, I've gotten to see how it can apply to so many different industries, so many different types of projects. You know, for example, the first one I did was anti-money laundering, but now it's something that's focused on, um, you know, the capital market space, but more specifically data architecture. And, um, you know, I know my brother does, you know, PMing as well. And there it's, you know, you may be building a software project, mm -hmm. but, and now I've also seen that other roles, like, you know, for example, producer, which is something I'm looking into as well. Well, they're really also have to take on a lot of PM hats and wear those hats. And, you know, through connecting with someone else at the bank who um, does that, in addition to working at the bank, um, is in the producing space, I've gotten to see how project management skills and that open-mindedness and that working with people really feeds into that space, which is totally outside of the banking industry and totally not something that I thought I um, could fit into. And, you know, if I hadn't kept an open mind and tried to build those relationships and, I guess, get to know people and empathize with them, I would have missed out on a lot of those experiences and never thought that I could fit in or take those leaps to to go into project management, to go into producing or, um, you know, consulting, et cetera. And now I've had my eyes open to all those industries and the, the, the colleagues and relationships I can make there. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting to hear you talk through that because especially leading with you are not as open-minded in high school. Of course, I didn't know you in high school, but I could, I would never describe you as not open-minded. So it's sort of mind-boggling for me to think that you've made it from there to here. And of course, right, we learn, we grow, but you know, I, I didn't know you back then. And um, one thing I think about when I think about you is how open-minded you are. And, and look how open-mindedness led to all the other values and things to able to take shape. So, you know, a lot there for, um, for the audience and for other students to think about, because um, just leading with the open-mindedness, you've you've been able to think about things uh, very differently, and it also leads back to transferable skills and the idea. Like mm -hmm. you're right, project management is a skill you can in any industry. It's a skill you can bring to any any job. Any everything we do is around projects. Um, so, what a great reflection on that. Thank you so much. I really. I really think that was a, a really insightful conversation to hear from you, and I appreciate that. 
you know, I, I'm realizing we're getting to the end of the show. And, um, again, I, I, I know I could chat with you more on this. It's <laughs> hit upon some really great, great takeaways and points. And it's always a pleasure, um, to chat with you. I was wondering if you had any like last minute sort of, um, thoughts you might want to leave with the listeners, um, uh, before we, before we close out. Uh, yeah, so I guess, um, the 1st thing and kind of leading from the open mindedness is really be open minded to all the opportunities that are out there. Um, even if you think you may not enjoy something, you never know where it will lead what the relationships you can build. There are, and, you know, kind of, like, I would never thought I would going to want to do project management, but I really enjoy it. And, you know, with that. Realizing how many possible opportunities are out there. Don't let that hinder you. Um, let that be a reason to not hinder chasing your dreams. If you have kind of something you want to go into or are interested in pursue it because, you know, there could be a lot more opportunities out there than you realize or a lot of other opportunities that. You know, like you said, Brian have those transferable skills that will align with those opportunities. Um, so really focus on just being open minded. Following what you're really passionate about, because if you're passionate, you'll be able to work hard and. You know, the opportunities will will present themselves. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so very much for being on the show. It's been really wonderful. As always catching up with you and I, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have gotten a lot. A lot of great sound bites and ideas from you today. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So for our listeners. If you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network. Please continue to tune in for more upcoming episodes as we transition into weekly Thursday chats with some amazing talent and students and young people I've met. This has been Coffee with Convery, and until next time, please stay well.